This glorious mess. Welcome to This Glorious Mess, Mamma Mia's podcast for parents who brought their kids a celebratory cake just for finishing that plan. Now, Luca Levine is our producer and he wrote that intro. And has no kids. He has no kids, but he wrote that intro just to troll me because indeed (laughs) I did buy Matilda a cake just for finishing that plan. And I was judged by my co-workers who said I was like rewarding mediocre behaviour. I was breeding a monster. How do you know it was mediocre behaviour? Well, because Did they not do she well? finished Naplan, but mm-hmm. it's not like she came home every Did night. Did you get the and results? Smashed. Yeah, I got the results. They were all right. Better in some well, bits than others. Your voice went way up then. <laughs> it's like you're a little kid and someone's grabbed your undies and gone, you're gone. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's the voice you <laughs> use when you're lying. Anyway. <laughs> If you're wondering who is confessing to her Naplan sins, my name is Holly Wainwright. I work at Mamma Mia. I've got two kids who are eight and six. And I'm Andrew Datto, and I've been a father for 19 years. Oh, my goodness. He was only 19. Yep, uh, three kids, boy, girl, girl. Today, we're talking to Australia's most renowned children's book author. I'm very excited about that, and I feel a bit bad because maybe you're actually Australia's most renowned children's book author, but Andy Griffiths is also a very well-respected children's so, book author. So Andy Griffiths is a superstar. He's, he's like the Tom Cruise of kids' he's books. He's Spielberg of Australian children's kids. literature. Yeah, just very quickly, because I'm not going to say it to him, although maybe I should tell him. Uh-oh. My first ever f- I think you should tell me before you tell my him. My first ever writer's festival, sitting there, I've done my session and then I'm selling books afterwards and then there's this bloke next to me and I've got a line of kids for books to be signed. He's got a line and then my line of four people ran out and his line kept going and going and going. And I'm sitting there just looking at him and I went, who are you? And he goes, I'm Andy Griffiths. And I went, yeah, but who are, who are you? And he goes, how many books have you done? And I said, one. And he went, well, when you've done five, this is what you'll face. Never faced it. <laughs> There is a new theme park that's opening in Melbourne that follows a trend around the world of theme parks that replicate the working world for children. So I went to one of these with the kids when I was in Singapore a couple of years ago. And what it is, is instead of roller coasters and exciting things, you go in and the kid gets to choose what job they're doing today. So you're like, I want to be a postman. Do you pay? Do you pay? Oh, you pay through the nose. I want to be a postman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman. Sucker born every minute. (laughs) Anyway, they built like this virtual little world in there. The kids go off and do jobs and then they get paid some pretend money and then they get to go to the pretend bank and put the pretend money in and then they get a pretend bank book. And the idea is it's like role play theme park that prepares kids for the working world. And you pay for it. (laughs) What about just bringing them to work for a day? It's kind of fun, right? Because it's got things like a little fire engine that you get to run, you know, go around. For what age kids, not teenagers? Primary school. And it's got like, you know, a fire engine that you get to run around. But then it's also got things like the insurance office (laughs) and the dentist. So you can go and do what your dad does? Yeah. Mum, what does dad do? Or what what does mum do? She sells insurance. Oh, there's the insurance stall over there. Bashing people and making them feel bad. (laughs) And there's a science lab where you get to do experiments and there's a hairdressers and all those kinds. So it's like a like mini world. And you can see why that's appealing to a point. But I remember being at this one in Singapore and being like, what have we become? <laughs> Children need to be running free and eating too much sugar and riding on roller coasters and throwing balls at coconuts and spewing up on the thingy tron that spins around and instead we're teaching them how to deliver mail which let's face it no one's going to be doing in another 20 years anyway so what i do is i take the envelope and i put it in the slot 
Then what happens? Nothing. <laughs> oh, you see that bag on your back, the heavy one? Take another envelope. <laughs> Stick it in that slot. And then what do I do? Nothing. It's like... The one... <laughs> oh, I want to be a postie so I can get bitten. That's why they have rogue dogs. Yeah, pretend dogs. The one I was at, it had like pretend courier times where kids would ferry empty boxes of nothing around the place because they were learning what it was like to be a courier. I completely understand the logic behind it. Let's prepare them for what life's really like. But surely there's no point preparing anyone for what life's really like until they're early to mid-teens. And also, life's not really like that anymore anyway. What are they going to be like, go and learn how to be a social media influencer. (laughs) Go and learn how to be a digital marketing manager. (laughs) Andrew's unbuttoning his shirt in preparation for that one. Go and learn how to be a marketing manager. Like, you know... Basically, you know what, what pro- work is like is lots of people sitting around at the laptops looking stressed. Do we suspect that maybe what this really is is just another day out for the parents <laughs> that finally have something to do with their kids that's different? We're not yeah. going to the park today. We're going to, what's it called? I think this new one's called Dream City. Where is it in Melbourne? The new one's in Melbourne. Good luck with it. So it was diff- that isn't the kind that I went to in Singapore, so it's probably different. The one I went to in Singapore is called Kidzania, I think. But it was the similar theme. It was real world play. Mm. And you know, like when you're a kid, well, when I was a kid, I used to love playing shops. Oh, you know, I've got to pretend till and Mm -hmm. I do the. It's like that on steroids. Mm. So it's kind of fun, but it's also when I was there, I found it strangely depressing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying not to be a Debbie Downer, right? Because no one likes Debbie Downer. No one likes Debbie. But, uh, well, thank God my kids are older. (laughs) Put it that way. If I had grandkids, you know, and and, uh, my kids said, can you take the grandkids down to Dream City? No. (laughs) <laughs> you'd say you'd and you'd school, them, you'd school them on the way home in the car with a gut full of ice cream. So you Just try and relax. <laughs> Pretend we went to Dream City, will you? Go home looking stressed for God's sake. <laughs> Walk in the door and go, get out of the way. Daddy wants a beer. <laughs> no, I'm joking. That's a joke. That's a joke. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. A, yeah. Mummy wants a wine. <laughs> that's gender. That's gender. That's just. Yes, gender <laughs> equality right there. Oh, okay, dear. fine. Daddy wants a wine. Mummy wants a beer. I like how you're learning. I like, I like this. Just... Evolving in front of our eyes. Dad, you're not funny. The day my bum went psycho. Zombie bombs from Uranus. Just disgusting. And of course, the Treehouse books. Andy Griffiths knows what goes into a great kids' book. He's written 28 of them, been published in over 30 countries, and along with illustrator and long-term friend Terry Denton, has our kids laughing and reading for more than 20 years. He's on very high rotation in my house. So what sets a good children's book apart from a not-so-good one? And how do you inspire a love of reading in a child who doesn't seem all that interested? Andy Griffiths has the answers. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Yeah, g'day, Andy. That's my pleasure. How are you? Very well. How are you? Are you excited about uh, the impending book week? I mean, is this one of the times you look forward to the most as um, Australia's most celebrated children's author? Any week that people, kids are reading books is a good week. Yeah. People love to wring their hands and say that kids don't read anymore and that they're on screens all of the time. But obviously the success of your Treehouse series at the very least and many other kids' books out there show that that is not the case. Am I right? Yeah, look, I would question that. I think implicit in that comment or assumption is that there was a golden age where everyone, all kids were reading all the time until screens took over. But 
you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s and um, we had plenty of other distractions. You know, that was in time when you could just ride around all day and play in the creek and explore sewer tunnels and your parents didn't know or didn't care. And in some ways, there was less to read in those days. You know, I had Enid Blyton books mm. that I did love and I had my Mad magazine and um, some horror comics. You know, I loved those things. But if you compare today, there is really extremely well-written literature across all genres that um, is doing everything that that reading material that I had did and much more. I reckon there's more kids reading today than there ever was. There's no question you've been an absolute breaker of barriers with things like, you know, zombie bums from Uranus, the bum book. You know, that when, when it happened, that was a problem for lots and lots and lots of people. They didn't like it. So how far can you go, do you think? <laughs> this gets to the heart of what writing for children is and why it's perhaps more tricky than writing for an adult audience. You're not only writing to your primary audience, which is the kids, but you're also writing for the gatekeepers, the librarians, the parents, the people who put the books on the shelves and buy the book. So you have to keep them on site. And it's always been a delicate balance where a number of books when I began the Just series was playing that game very carefully. I wasn't giving them anything they could point to in the book and say that's unacceptable. You know, I was letting the readers imagine the atrocities and the, the awfulness rather than stating it boldly. Still, I was hearing stories of my books being taken off library shelves because, you know, one parent in the school had complained and didn't want their kid reading it. And I thought, well, that's fair enough. They can stop their kid reading it. But one parent shouldn't have dominion over the whole school and what's important because I knew my books were appealing to kids who'd never, ever picked up books before. So that's where I started getting a little more bold and provocative and doing things like The Day My Bum Went Psycho mm. and The Bad Book, deliberately saying, look, you can imagine anything and it's okay because it's fiction and fiction is a place where we can play safely in our imaginations. And the basic uh, objection to that that I found at the time was, oh, yeah, but kids can't tell the difference between reality and what goes on in a book. They'll think if you write about, you know, a kid running across the road with their eyes shut, they'll think that's okay to go out and do it. Kids know exactly what this is. They know it's a fiction. They know it's a place they can experiment with silly ideas and bad behaviour. And they find it funny because they know it's absolutely inappropriate in real life. The Treehouse books are big hits in my house. I have a, a boy and a girl. And I think they genuinely think that those books are written by children, <laughs> by, yeah. by the characters in the book. They definitely do. Is it ever a challenge to just keep remembering what it is that 10-year-old boys or girls would love the most, like the shark-infested pool, the this and that? Like, Do you never feel too grown up to write these books anymore? No, because the window from my 10-year-old just sort of stayed open and I find it very difficult to write serious books. I physically couldn't do a book that was sensible and had a message. Uh, because <laughs> oh, you could. I... You could. No, no, <laughs> because I pick up the pen and the 10-year-old just going, like, give me that pen. You know, this is where <laughs> we're going. Yeah, well, it's good work you're doing, Andy. And, hey, listen, congratulations on your success and, and best of luck with Book Week and thanks for your time today. 
You can buy Andy's latest book, The 104-Story Treehouse, That Thing Has No Limit, at apple.co forward slash Mamma Mia or a big W. My favourite thing about my mum is that she gives me hugs. Book week 2018, fast approaching. <laughs> Your favourite week of the year, Andrew. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, those of you who don't know, I've written some kids' books and I do go and speak in schools for probably two weeks of book week. Do that maths. Um, <laughs> so generally, funny. hopefully in your school, the librarian's got everyone organised and you come dressed as your favourite book character. It's great fun. So we had an email this week from a listener. goes like this. Hi, Holly and Andrew. I have a dilemma about this year's book week dress up at my children's school. My daughter loves the book The Magic Pencil by Malala Yousafzai. She saves her pocket money to donate to the Malala Fund and now wants to dress as Malala for book week. I'm worried that this is cultural appropriation as Malala obviously wears a hijab. Should I encourage her passion and interest or steer her towards something more politically correct? Thank you for your wisdom. That's a typo. (laughs) And that's from Claire. Holly? Claire, I hate to tell you, but she can't dress as Malala. She can't. It is cultural appropriation. Unless she dresses as Malala. No, she can't dress as Malala. (laughs) Sorry. Why? I say she can dress as Malala. I've missed something here, clearly. Can you define cultural cultural appropriation appropriation for me? Cultural appropriation is when you take on an element of somebody else's culture that isn't yours. Yours, yeah. Right? And you use it as a costume. Now, the reason that this is borderline, and Claire is right, is because her beautiful daughter loves Malala, donates to her fund. All of her intentions are pure and gorgeous. Mm. And that is a wonderful thing that should be massively celebrated, right? She doesn't want to wear a hijab to take the mickey or to, you know, be celebrating the Pauline Hanson turning up at the Senate in a burqa. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not going there. No. But if the simple question is, is it cultural appropriation and will some people be upset by it? Yes, because there are some people who will say you can't wear a hijab unless that is your cultural identity. Don't wear it as fancy dress. That is the position. I say I think she can wear it as she's celebrating someone from a different culture and there's an opportunity for other kids at school who have not read the book and don't understand it, know nothing about it, to learn something else. It's a celebration, not a piss take. So I understand the appropriation. I also understand that she's in primary school. She's probably grade four, grade five, and it's a chance to actually learn something. She's doing it for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. Uh, Absolutely. Don't you think? And intention is really important, but the thing is, is intention gets lost when somebody takes a picture and puts it on social media. So just don't be putting it on... But that's a little bit beyond your control. No, no, I I understand that. Because you could be at school in the playground, right? Mm. And another parent may find it offensive that somebody's wearing a hijab who is not Islamic. Take a photo, put it on social media, have a whinge about it. You've got a drama on your hands that you just don't need. Now, is there a way that Claire's beautiful daughter can celebrate Malala without that? Yes, probably there is. Maybe she could wear like a Malala T-shirt or maybe she could carry the book or maybe she could, I don't know, there are lots of things she can do. But she, if the question is, is it cultural appropriation to wear the hijab? Mm. I think it is, yes. Yeah, yeah, but can you take the question further? I think you're right. We should have all our children go as Where's Wally? Right? Let's be safe and let's be serious about it. Dress them up as something inane. 
Because, because seriously, it's, it's nuts. My position on this is it's not up to me to decide whether or not it's ridiculous. It's not up to me to decide whether or not it's offensive. But generally speaking, like having a piece of religious clothing alongside the toilet and the monster and the dinosaur and the pirate, like I can see why that might offend me if that was me. Anyway, I'm just saying. So someone dressed up as Jesus. This is, Claire is obviously pretty switched on because she's worried about this. <laughs> yeah, of course, of when course. When was the last time you saw someone dressed up as Jesus well, this, at Book I don't week? know. I don't go to those schools. Let's not pretend if, um, that's a thing that happens. No, but if someone. And if they did, there would be lots of Christians who were very upset about it. Here's a girl who's showing acceptance probably beyond her yeah, cultural not... sensibilities. So so why do you deny it? Claire's daughter sounds amazing. Yeah, suddenly you go, oh, hang on a second. No, I say she should celebrate Malala without the hijab. That's all I would say. Mm. Nailed it. Nailed it. Andrew Dado, how did you do this week? You know I've got that beautiful old Holden car. Oh, it's your car again. The HR. And it's just been fully fixed up. Well, that was the source of fail. In old cars, you've got a button which you pull out, and it's called a choke, and it feeds fuel to the engine when it's cold and whatever. I've read about such things in history books. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got to the next level of choke, got down the hill, and I was literally on the way to somewhere. Jackie goes, just drop me for a cup of coffee. The car's basically blowing up. And so when the car blew up, because it was something I literally had no control or ability to deal with, I then also lost control. <laughs> Embarrassingly so. Jackie goes, well, should we get Bibi to come down with the other? Yeah. So we get the 17-year-old to come down with the other car and she's going to help. And I'm like, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> you yelled at your children about I was the car. just embarrassingly out of whack. <laughs> You know, and so I mean, after I, all these years, you know, but I know everyone had gets cross and you, whatever, but it was pointed out to me that it was bad. And I did apologize not long afterwards. You know, it's just one of those things, but it was just a good reminder that when dumb stuff happens, you don't have to act like a dumb ass. You failed it. Good lesson. Good mm. life lesson right there. Mm. How about you? I thought this was a nail, but it's turning into a fail because Matilda, as we discussed the other week, she came back from the Northern Territory when we went on holiday and she came back like this adventure chick. And one of her things I think I was talking about is how she doesn't want to wear girly things anymore. And she's all about like just wearing jeans and T-shirts yeah. and running around. So we were in a kid's shop the other day that I shall not name, but it was, you know, one of your big variety stores that we go to to buy the cheaper clothes because she was refusing to wear anything sequiny, frilly, oh, no, she's pink. Really she's on. really moved on, right? Yeah, I know you're wearing nice sequins today. I'm, I have adopted the sequins. So she's left them behind. That's I've not picked her top, is it? <laughs> she marched around the shop yelling, well, not yelling, but saying loudly, why are there boys' clothes and girls' clothes in this shop? That is ridiculous. There should just be clothes. And there was a little part of me that was like fist pumping like, yes, my feminist work is done. And the other part of me that was like, shut up, you're so annoying. <laughs> Stop ruining everything for everybody. <laughs> so she insisted on buying her clothes in the boys' section. Yeah. Plain T-shirt, plain jeans, plain shorts. And she was like walking past the pink stuff like, pa. Who'd wear that rubbish? And I was like, you, a couple of months ago. She's become this real judgmental little nutter. Is this just a phase? Like, is this what eight-year-old kids do? Yeah, but isn't there, it wasn't a sequence of phase as well. But well, that was yeah. a norm. That was a inverted, inverted commas, commas normal, normal phase. phase. And now she might tomboy out for the next little while. So she said, "What are we going to do with all my old clothes?" And I said, "Well, 
how long do we think this is going to last? Like, I'm not going to throw them away. To Billy? <laughs> yeah, possibly. See how that goes. And she goes, no, I'm definitely never wearing those again. So we're packing up all the sequins, all the unicorns, all the mermaids, and shipping them off to her friends or to the charity shop if they're in good enough condition. That is that. Wow. Is that a nail or a fail? Should ca- it's Luca, a nail. thumbs up, thumbs down, Luca Levine. Thumbs up, he says a nail. it's a nail. She's become. You should keep something. Keep something. So at least you can go, remember this. I know. Well, I do like to show her pictures of her when she would only go out of the house in a tutu and a crown. And I'm like, this used to be you. And she's like, not anymore. A listener called Amy shared her fail with us via email. And you can do the same. We would love to hear from you. This is one big messy community. And we want to know what's been going on in your world. You can email us at tgm at mamamia.com.au. Amy said, last week I was praising myself for an obvious nail. There I was literally saying to myself, look at me. Imagine if Holly and Andrew could see me in my prowess. That's what people think, Andrew. Yeah. Yep. Juggling 100 cupcakes and a celebration cake for my babysitter's 21st birthday. Headphones in, dealing with work dilemmas, finalising homework in between cupcake toppers and feeling like an absolute rock star. Clearly handing myself a skippy badge and a smiley stamp for nailing it. So far, Amy, you are totally I nailing know. it. 26 seconds later, a blood-curdling scream breaks the serenity, a scream that signals actual injury. So I run two eggs in one hand and a bag of flour in the other to find that my four-year-old had pushed my six-year-old from the skateboard. The six-year-old had fallen face first on the wooden floor, black eye already swelling, blood everywhere, the origin of which was as yet unknown. In retaliation, a quick flick of said skateboard hit the salty across three fingers, so more screaming. So I changed direction and run to get an ice pack as instructed, but drop one and then two eggs, slip cartoon style with legs flinging in a windmill fashion, launch the open bag of flour airborne across the room and land on my ass with the flour cascading in snow all around my head. Failed it. Both children crawled, sobbing into my lap, and I, with a crotch full of yoke and snow-white hair, having landed against the freezer door, did the only thing I could. I grabbed a plastic Star Wars kids' cup and poured a big glass of wine from the fridge door and took a huge swallow. Nail to fail in 30 seconds flat. Amy, that's epic. Nail to fail to nail. We've just had Andy Griffiths on. That's Griffith-esque. It is. You've got a future. You really have. It's with pen in hand. That's a great story. <laughs> you failed, you nailed, and then, well, no, you nailed, you failed, and then you nailed it again with mm. the wine in the Star Wars cup, in my opinion. Thank you so much, Amy, for sharing that. That has given us all a good laugh. If you are done with all this family chat and you want something a bit more adult to listen to, why don't you head over and check out our Sealed Section podcast only if there are no little ears around because it is a conversation about sex, X, E-X. I nearly couldn't spell sex then. What would that say about me? It says you need to go away with your husband for a ho- or your partner for a holiday. It's a chat about <laughs> sex and sexuality you wish you could have with your best friends, and it's certainly not for the little people. Search Sealed Section in your podcast app or wherever you the, get your sort of thing if you would listen to, and then your partner says, what are you listening to? And you go, oh, like be embarrassed about it, sort of, or yeah. like it would be a... Or they might like that you're listening to it they might be like oh listen to that podcast again Mm. (laughs) this glorious mess is brought to you by mama mia see you next time see ya